The following is a presentation of the Pro Wrestling Report, TV and radio. Informative, entertaining, and real since 1998. Um, is it just me before we get into the actual in-ring action 
There's a good old J.R. seem a little ornery lately. I mean, he uh, he's got a bit of stank <laughs> in his voice. He's got a little bit of attitude. Yeah, it's not it's a mean probably era. Has something to do with him with him announcing the Kurt Jerker to the pre-show. When I first saw this announced team, I was excited because I thought we would have Jr. sprinkled throughout the main show. Um, you know, at least for a match or two, but we get JR exclusively on the pre-show. I could not figure that one out. But, I mean, am I wrong? And Colin, JR seemed like he had an attitude problem tonight. No, he did. He got he got a little uh, – there was an interaction with, I believe it was Byron Saxton there, and I noticed a couple a couple issues where he was uh, definitely a different, a different JR. Okay. Well, the match was what it was. You know, different superstars eliminating different superstars. Uh, the final three ended up being Corbin, Matt Hardy, and Mojo Raleigh. Now the fans obviously yelling, delete, delete, delete. Uh, let's go out after Corbin and um, Matt and Mojo just watch. They're about to eliminate Matt Hardy, but when the lights come back on, here comes Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt assists Matt in eliminating Mojo. Corbin floors Matt with the big boot, and then Corbin catches Wyatt with the end of days. Corbin grabs Matt, but then Matt fights him off and eliminates him. Now, there was confusion. Again, maybe this is, you know, why JR is doing the pre-show match uh, of the pre-show. Because he goes, wait a minute. Hold on. I guess Matt Hardy is the winner. Uh, uh, Bray Wyatt was never actually in the match. You're a winner. This... There are some awkward spots in here. Again, I understand. And we talked about this before. Remember, it's um, Corey Graves is the – you can't even say the latest and greatest and the hot new thing because Corey has been doing it now, what, three years on the big show? How long has Corbin Graves been up to Raw and doing uh, even SmackDown now? It's been a couple of years. It was exclusively NXT after he got injured, then he moved up to the uh... – to the big shows, and just to interrupt here with some late-breaking news, WrestleMania, after the conclusion package, has wrapped back around live with a slightly cleaned-up Roman Reigns uh, making his exit out of the Superdome. So if there's anything that breaks here, we will definitely uh, jump back in and get you updated. Well, that right Nick now, he's that just he walking had up the, uh, looks to be mm-hmm. over the top left eye, you know, right on the hairline, uh, it seems to mm-hmm. be. Uh, where he had that gash. So, obviously, he's walking, just kind of walking, and he's got, uh, you know, a couple referees behind him. There's EMTs and not employee morale team guys. I mean, actually, emergency medical technicians. Mm-hmm. Um, some EMTs following him up the ramp. Short ramp this year. It, it, also, yeah. did you notice that the ramp seemed, I mean, it's not the length that Charles Robinson runs in Orlando <laughs> ramp, but uh, a short ramp uh, yeah. this year. Maybe that's Maybe that's just a dome. You know, style, because uh, when they had the two long ramps, the run by Robinson yeah. and uh, last year's ramp was the highest off the ground ever. Um, maybe mm-hmm. that's just Sun Life Stadium, you know, in Orlando. that gives you the, yeah. the long ramp. But uh, Matt Hardy, the winner of the fifth annual Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Thoughts on Bray Wyatt posing with Matt Hardy? I think it's a... I think it's a really good move. I think it makes Wyatt feel uh, get a little freshening up, and he's needed that for quite a while because he's been Bray Wyatt by himself, no Wyatt family. Bray Wyatt's gotten stale. As good of a talent as he is, he has gotten stale, and he needed something. He needed something different, and it's kind of strange because it's the whole Matt Hardy saga, but. 
what's not what's notable here is this might very well be the first ever face run for Bray Wyatt. I think they've teased it. I think they've done maybe a one-off on a Raw one night, but this might be the first ever face run for Bray Wyatt. So I think this was the wise move for the for the Battle Royal this year. In years past, it's really been kind of uh, uh, anticlimactic. The winners really haven't. I don't feel like the Andre the Giant, that the, the Battle Royal title has really been used to propel somebody. And not that the tight, not that the trophy itself will this year, but I think you're going to have uh, very interesting interactions with the Woken Matt Hardy character and the actual physical trophy. I can see this as one guy who carries it around with him uh, in arena to arena and talks to the trophy. I think there's a lot that you can do here. So this was the way to start off the pre-show. I think he by far is probably the person that can get the most out of this, even if it's just for the physical trophy itself. Now, you ask why, you know, nothing's come of the winner of the, you know, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Maybe the fact that it's airing two hours before the actual show starts yeah. could be part of yeah, why I, no one cares. Again, here's the thing. We've got, and, you know, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but... We've got seven-hour WrestleManias that, you know, you, you basically you've got your – everything's the card beforehand, but then you've got your pre-show, and then you've got your, your main show. It's just – it's really it, – regardless of what you do, your pre-show is not going to feel important as the main card. And it was even alluded to this year with the whole Usos buildup. You want clarification as to whether we were supposed to take everything – is serious, and we found that this year because the Usos made the main card. So, uh, yeah, I've had issues with the pre-show, not just WrestleMania, but the pre-shows in general for years. And, again, we're going back to co-branded pay-per-views because apparently some feedback that some people sent the WWE Network said they didn't feel like the single-branded pay-per-views were long enough. That's right. Um, you know, words I know you've never heard in your entire life. Oh, but some people thought uh, uh, no, no. That the show I mean, I, I've been always told I'm enough. going long enough. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just this convolutedness of of uh, pre-show. I I, I miss the days. I miss the days when the pre-shows aired on Viewer's Choice or whatever, and they were simply there to show the video packages. You know. Here, here, here's the thing. Here's a, here's a novel idea. Put your video packages on the pre. Well, again, it doesn't make sense as a business model anymore because you're not trying to sell it. So what we've got now is we've got matches taking place on the pre-show, and then we've got the long, intricate, you know, video cap, video packages on the main show. Yeah, it's just it's the whole pre-show deal is you know somewhat convoluted. Tournament finals for the vacant WWE Cruiserweight title, Cedric Alexander against Mustafa Sub-Zero Ali. We've been doing the WCW Nitro reactions mm-hmm. and kind of recaps. Tell me you didn't think that was Glacier for a moment. Yeah, I can, can see a little bit of that. Waiting I mean, for uh, Adam snow? Bomb to where run in Mortis? feud with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, good match, though. I mean, unlike the... Uh, Glacier matches. Your winner in the new WWE Cruiserweight Champion, Cedric Alexander. When was the last time we actually saw more than uh, excuse me, 
more than a couple minutes worth of action uh, cruiserweight-wise on the Raw brand. I mean, we have barely seen it, specifically during the build of WrestleMania. Will we go yeah. back to having cruiserweight action on Raw, you know, their one segment, and will we get the purple lights and purple ropes again? <laughs> Please, no. Please, no purple ro- lights and purple ropes. Here's the thing. I feel like if there's anybody that can be a star in the cruiserweight division, Cedric Alexander, um, this guy's got immense talent. And, you know, hopefully you've got that person there that has got the that has got the interest of the casual, not the casual fan, but the typical wrestling fan, and you can use him to propel the division. Because let's face it, I mean, that, that division has struggled. Probably the most successful champion they had um, was Enzo just because there was some familiarity there and they they need somebody that can go and be the face of that division I think you're as close as you've had with Cedric Alexander it might work it might not but uh, I think you've I think this was was the right bet the inaugural Wrestlemania women's battle royal formerly known as the fabulous Mula battle royal uh, guest commentator, Beth Phoenix. Now, Paige was ringside. I know that WWE has a lot of time and money invested in the movie that's coming out that had a promo. How many promos did we see for that? It was the same one. Was it three or four? Yeah, we saw we saw multiple ones. I'm not exactly sure. but It's the same one, though, but absolutely awkward. For a multi-million-dollar company, production-wise, she stood there. Hi, I'm Paige. There's something wrong there. There's something wrong there. One, she was silent for about a good four seconds. Who's editing? Who's you know giving the hand cues or the hand whatever? And again, she just seems unenthused. Now the movie looks good. I mean, the movie for those that don't know and hadn't seen the promos up until tonight is legitimate. It's a movie based on Paige's life of getting into the wrestling business. Rocks in it and you know a couple really good actors. I think one's playing her brother. One's playing Paige. Um, I thought this movie was going to get crushed after the whole Xavier Woods, you know, uh, multiple camera angle videos that came out. Um, Matthew knows what we're talking about because he's a big fan of us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no comment. Yeah, Paige at ringside was absolutely terrible. This whole battle royal for the women convoluted is the right word because you have an individual entrance, you get an entrance of about nineteen other people, and another entrance. <laughs> And don't get me started on the overlay graphics that have been going on all night long, Matthew. Your thoughts, you, you said, real you, you quick. Said, you, you said you said you said multiple entrances. I just want to point that out. I know what I did. So multiple entrance, the overlay of <laughs> graphics. The I didn't even know who some of the women were. Obviously, there was NXT women in there. There was. SmackDown, there was Raw women in there. <sighs> Matthew, just thoughts on the women's battle royal, formerly known as the Fabulous Mula Battle Royal. Precisely. You had too many people in there that the casual, not even the casual person, even the person as in you or I that watch main roster weekly but maybe mix, miss NXT, maybe miss 
didn't see every match in the Mae Young tournament aren't going to know. And here's the thing. It's not the Rumble, so you can't, you can't give the backstory as to who everybody is. You've got an interest right. or two, and then everybody's in there. And the, the men's felt like it belonged. This, this felt like more of an afterthought, and everybody else was more of a – more of just a way to get to your final two or your final three. And, again, the women's roster, not, not, not extensive enough right now to have the women on the main cart that you had and have this as well, too, without throwing people in there that made it feel a little bit rushed. Uh, and I understand, too, that obviously other people are going to be at the show. But, you know, here we're watching the beginning uh, of the show and, you know, in the background – I mean, you see six there. You see NXT wrestlers sitting in. I feel like, and this is not my place to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways because who's going to stop me? I feel like the business is not as protected when you let the boys just yeah. hang out in the crowd or, yeah, yeah. you know, there's, I mean, because, yeah, it's WrestleMania, but you couldn't find a spot in the back. I mean, seriously, you had to be on the hard camera side or seriously, you had to be, you know, right behind the commentator's table. And again, I'm nitpicking, of course. This was a great WrestleMania. But what's the point of week after week after week with the Raw announced team up on a stage? But it's WrestleMania, they got to be yeah. down by the uh, ring. And then put them back yeah. up on a stage again. It's just, yeah. again, convoluted. Multi-billion. Well, not multi-billion, but multi-million. Uh, basically, the way it works out is um, Bailey turns on Sasha, gets her thrown out, thinks she wins. Naomi hits Bailey with a rear view, which is basically smacks her in the face with her ass and goes on to eliminate her for the win. Naomi, the winner of the first ever women's battle royal in WrestleMania, formerly known as the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. They got to come up with a better name. <laughs> Snickers, who got their way and got Fabulous Moolah's name taken off of that battle royal, is your title sponsor. And you get the opening video package presented by Snickers. Also, the, again, I don't know if you noticed, like uh, multiple people, for example, the opening match, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and The Miz. You don't really think that Seth Rollins was wearing those blue contacts, do you? They put graphics on his face. There you go. Triple threat for the Intercontinental Championship, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and Miz. I absolutely loved Finn Balor's entrance. Did you hear who that was on the stage with him? Uh, yeah, I believe it was the. Um, I don't know what the what the technical name of the, the organization was, the, but it was I think like the, the group was like the New Orleans LGBT group. But the point mm-hmm. of it all is, and that that part doesn't actually matter as much as the point of it all is inclusion. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it's. Ballot clubs for everyone and everybody, and everybody's welcome, and absolutely love it. So, Finn Balor, uh, Seth Rollins, and The Miz. Matthew, your thoughts on Seth Rollins becoming a Grand Slam champion and winning the Intercontinental Championship? Uh, you know, I was very. I didn't know. I didn't know which way this was going to go. I could see. I could see the reasons to have Meeks. Mrs. Uh, Rain stopped just short of the record, and I could also see reasons to continue it. I mean, that guy has been a very, very good working champion throughout the years. Uh, so this match could have really gone any way, and honestly, I was fine 
with uh, any way that, that it was going to go. So uh, I, I like it. You know, hopefully it's it's something uh, something fresh for Rollins. And I thought she had a, a lot of a lot of good moves in here. I really like the spot where uh, Miz had Balor in the figure four, and you had Rollins deliver the the flying elbow while while the uh, the move was set in. I mean, there were really really good spots that you know weren't your trip typical triple threat spots. I thought everybody did a really good job and everybody worked uh, really well, and this is probably the match to start the show off with. Go back to when The Miz was on The Real World. Then fast forward to when Miz came into Tough Enough. Then fast forward to when Miz was just a host, you know, yelling hoorah. Then go to when Miz was a multiple tag team champion running around, you know, with the big show where he was, you know, made the carry around and checked those bags over and over. At any point, would you have thought Miz got to this point where the Miz looks like a future Hall of Famer? Yes, because as much as he had working against him when he first came in there, came in the WWE, there was always that fire and that creativity that you know, even though it wasn't your typical story, you felt like he had the talent to he had the talent to uh, to overcome all that and. He's just done done an absolute fantastic job, and I mean, I even remember back in, we're probably talking what 2010 or whenever he had that interaction with Flair. Whenever Flair, you know, bequeathed the figure four to him, I, at that point, as good as Miz was, I thought it was a bit, a bit ridiculous that you would have a Flair giving the Miz a rub. But as time has gone on, I mean, this guy has become more and more legit, and regardless of how he broke into broke into the business it's somebody who has gotten substantially better you know at his craft and it's just it, you talk about painting a sports entertainer from the top to the bottom and Orton is the example they use I don't think Miz is that far behind this guy is 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 a, a, a close to being the total package for a professional wrestler I still can't believe that the Miz has gotten as far as he has, and now, you know, having watched the Hall of Fame this Friday, you know, even, uh, was it Jeff Jarrett that threw out Miz, by the way, you're doing an amazing job with the Intercontinental Championship. People have actually recognized, Miz said it. He said, look, the Intercontinental Championship, what was the line uh, right before he had the blow-up on um, Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack? The line that he had uh, in those interviews were, look, uh, it was not WrestleMania, it was a pay-per-view or something, but he was told, look, I know you're an intercontinental champion and all, but we don't have anything for you tonight. You're not on the show. One of the top, most prestigious belts you have in your company, and you don't have anything for me, anything right. for the champ. So the Miz has taken it, and he's gone up a notch. He's taken it to the next level. The Miz, man, the Miz is hes amazing. He's uh He's something else, and, you know, I, I guess we should appreciate Miz while we have him here. I don't hate him, don't love him, but the Miz is, man, he is a pro's pro. <coughs> SmackDown Women's title match. The undefeated, over two years, Asuka taking on Charlotte Flair. First off, Charlotte's entrance, by the way, the gold and the queen. and uh, Amazing, absolutely amazing. Asuka with a little bit of something, you know, a nice special mask and uh, great match. We had talked you know, over months that maybe this was going to be the match. It did not disappoint in any way, nope. in any manner. Asuka, Charlotte Flair, 
put on a clinic what I actually loved at the end. Oscar doesn't speak a ton of English. Charlotte, you were ready for Oscar. Hugs, kisses, out the door. They knew what they did. Uh, Matthew, your thoughts? Absolutely. Match of the night as far as I'm concerned. This totally delivered, and I give them credit for a surprise finish. I thought it was a given fact going in that the streak would continue, and most likely Oscar would make Charlotte tap out. I had no idea if if Oscar, if Charlotte did end the streak, I did not think it was going to be via submission. This was a total surprise for me, and the, the match from top to bottom, I think, told a great story. They worked really, really well together. Love the spot where um, Oscar countered the moonsault with the submission maneuver. It was just mm-hmm. a very, very well done match, and I think, honestly, this opens up a lot more booking possibilities than if you just had the streak continue and Asuka you know, hold the title and, and that streak, uh, streak continue. It really gives Charlotte an extra shot in the arm, and I think they did a really, really solid job here. Not the finish I was expecting, but a finish I was glad to get. So the thing with Charlotte is, by accident, by circumstance, by happenstance, if you will, she may become one of the best female competitors of all time, and she didn't want to be a wrestler. That's, right. the, that's the whole thing. I mean, she's she said in multiple interviews, even you know, local interviews and national interviews, she's living the life that her brother would have lived. She's doing it for her brother, so her brother would do it. I mean, her brother, I believe it was Reed, the one that passed away, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed Flair. Mm-hmm. She's living his life for him. So, not intentionally. I mean, even in her first day in NXT. Uh, she was approached, and people that came to her and said, you know, there's people in the back that said you're not giving a 100% effort. You can see that you just don't care. She cares, and she is literally unlimited potential of what she can do in this ring, this business. And, again, quite possibly it could be one of the best of all time. Let's talk about another story. It's not necessarily something that was set in stone to get into the pay-per-view, but at the end of this match, Matthew, we had seen, I don't know, four or five times, specifically during the uh, triple threat, we saw him sitting ringside. John Cena, no response from The Undertaker. John Cena, the ringside seat. He said he was going to do it. He's a man of his word. He's saying ringside. Now, the people that are sitting next to him, how many that are surrounded him and those seats, how many do you think are paid actors? Right, right. Because I ask you this. Right. Right. All the people around him? sure didn't act like they had just bought those seats and were sitting around. I think they took right. that section and gave it to Cena. Yeah. You know, so that's it's fine. Qu- it doesn't bother it's me. It's quite possible. It's a, it was a story I didn't expect, but I was okay. You know, the story of Cena looking for Undertaker, trying to get Undertaker, it's not something we've ever seen before. Well, a referee comes down to ringside after Asuka and Charlotte had, you know, congratulated each other in the match. Uh, Charlotte's up in the ramp. Referee runs down, goes to Cena, and the announcers play coy. You could hear and watch his lips. Undertaker's in the building. I seen him. Cena ran. Absolutely ran. So we may get a Cena take a match. I love the story. I I got to be honest. I, I thought it was a fun trek to get to. Cena Tigger match. Now, Matthew, your thoughts on the build to get to the match, and we'll get to the match when it comes up in the card here. 
this build to this WrestleMania, honestly, four, five, six weeks ago, as it was taking shape, I wasn't a huge fan. But in that stretch, the last month especially, this has become one of my favorite builds to a mania. And one of the main reasons has been the Cena-Undertaker storyline. And after we didn't get it on, you know, after we didn't get it like everyone was expecting on Monday night, it was looking like, man, they are really going to have the diligence to take this all the way to Mania. This wouldn't have happened several years ago, but we're in the network era now. And I'm sure there's one or two people out there, but I think the argument that, well, you know, this person would subscribe to the network or this person would pull the trigger on WrestleMania if Cena Undertaker was set in stone on the card. I just don't think that person's out there, and if it is, there's not many of them. So this network era gave WWE the opportunity to have this dream match but yet not build it up, not give it away. I originally perceived that as they're doing that because, oh, wow, we're going to try something new and really try to make for a special WrestleMania moment. When this does materialize, most likely toward the end of the card, if not your main event. You know, we were we were there today. We were there at Mania, Cena in the crowd. This has actually taken shape, and it looked like they were going to, you know, be able to do that and draw this thing out and really build up the the anticipation. So having Cena sprint to the back and having, you know, this thing start to materialize after the second match was a bit surprising because I thought and I still think there would have been an exponentially better story to be told if you drew this thing out throughout the rest of the card. I love it. Absolutely love it. Let's talk Fatal 4-Way for the WWE United States title. I kind of, just a pet peeve, just a bone to pick. When Bobby Roode came into NXT, I think they wasted his entrance for his first or second uh, appearance on NXT, you know, a takeover or whatever, with the choir singing. I thought that was a WrestleMania entrance. And as Bobby Roode's, you know, piano started hitting, that's it? He's just coming out like that? Dude, it's WrestleMania. Well, I guess they can't do the choir because they did it at NXT. Just a bone to pick, that's all. I mean, you know, maybe next year. But I thought that uh, this four-way match really – Really, it was kind of fun. Um, I I didn't have too big a problem with it. The winner of the match and new United States champion, Jinder Mahal. Now, do you think, Matthew, that he was made champion because of the match coming up in, uh, is it Saudi Arabia next month or this month? Saudi Arabia in April, which okay. is this month technically, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I forgot where we were. It's WrestleMania season. I assume we were in March, though. But do you think he's champ to go into that show as the champion? I don't. I think he's champ to make him relevant and to not let you know him get the the treatment that somebody like a Sheamus does or somebody that you know ascends pretty rapidly to the world title and loses the world title. And I think this is the perfect title. Uh, Perfect title for for gender. I like the fact that it's the U.S. title because I think there's a lot that can be done there. Right. It's him, the U.S. champion. You know, with him, you know, having the gimmick that he does, I think there's a ton of potential there. I I don't think 
Orton needs it, to be quite honest with you. It just, uh, I, I really never saw the purpose of Orton having the title. Um, Rude, we've gotten that title run, and quite frankly, I don't feel like it did a lot for him. I don't think Didn't Rude do needs to get back him. in that title picture until he's a heel. Bobby Rude is a face right now, is is stale to me, and I don't think that his introduction to the main roster, that's just the guy coming out to the glorious theme song in a robe, that's just that's a character that can eventually be a baby face, but it's not someone that needs to be introduced as a baby face. So I'm I don't want him to really get around that title picture until he's heel Bobby Roode. And of course Rusev is extremely over right now, but uh I, I don't think he needs the title, to be honest with you. Rusev has Rusev Day. So out of everybody in that match that could benefit from the title, I think it went to the right person. Can you believe that Aiden English was rapping? <laughs> Let me tell you a little funny story. I was in a New about Orleans About a man from Nantucket? Mm-hmm. About a man from, from Nantucket. And uh, I flew out sat early Saturday morning. But I was in a diner having a late breakfast um, on Thursday, I guess it was, and it was fairly crowded. It didn't – had a gentleman seated, I think, a stool or two down from me and uh, didn't pay him any attention, had a, like a, a knit cap on or, or something, until the check was brought to him and he thanked the waiter for the check. And I said, hey, I know that voice, and uh, seated uh, next to me or the stool down uh, from me was uh, Aiden English. Ooh, I, I didn't know until he was exiting. Exiting the. I was going to say I didn't know until recently. I saw it on some video somewhere. He is married into the Guerrero family. Hmm. So his mother-in-law, Vicky it. Guerrero. How about that? Crazy how that works, huh? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the next match: Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle taking on Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Um. My hopes were dashed and crushed when I saw a bunch of motorcycles up on the ramp and then Triple H and Stephanie on motorcycles behind it. Not Mm -hmm. that I think I'm a booker, but boy, if there was one thing I'd like to see before he goes away, I want the American badass. I want the motorcycle undertaker. That's the guy I liked. And when Mm -hmm. Triple H and Stephanie came out on the motorcycles, well, that's not going to happen. They're not doing two motorcycles. And it looked like and again, those are the three-wheel motorcycles, so nobody's going to tip them yeah. over. But to yeah. me, it looked like Stephanie was struggling to control her bike. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, uh, which is okay. I mean, it's it's not a big deal. Um, your thoughts on Ronda Rousey in this match? You know what? I think as far as a mixed tag special attraction match goes. This is about as good as you can get. I, I didn't have high hopes for this. I wasn't excited with the fact of Rousey premiering against Stephanie. If you're going to have this UFC badass, I thought the thing to do was to premiere her against somebody in the division. It didn't have to be the champion, but just you know put her over as, okay, this is somebody that's going to you know run up the roster, and you didn't get that. That being said, I thought this went about as well as it could go. The interactions are really good. There was some interaction, you know, with, um, you know, Angle and uh, 
I mean, there, there was there was intergender interaction. You got a little bit of right. that, and it was just uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty good. And you got the clips in there. I mean, you got the clips with her, you know, trying to make Triple H tap, and it, you just you got some of those newsworthy spots while it still you know flowed as as well as it could. Um, you know, I think I think Rousey's going to be okay. It's just it's hard to tell in a match like this because you you do have a wrestling Stephanie, so it's it's not you didn't get the glimpse like you would have gotten with a one-on-one match but overall this match to be delivered higher than, than i was expecting going in so thoughts to myself while i'm watching this i said to myself it says self i says no just kidding but uh thoughts to myself the moment that stephanie was able to uh, i don't know if it was a slap or if it was a kick or whatever it was but like oof, you got to protect Literally yeah. the job in this match by all three of them, Stephanie, Tripps, and Kurt Angle, is to protect Ronda Rousey. Absolutely. Protect her as in, you know, the baddest woman on the planet. you got to protect that. Yeah. When Stephanie was able to get some, oh, yeah, they didn't protect that. Okay, she's looking a little right, off there. Right. But you know what really protected her and elevated her was toe-to-toe with Triple H. Yeah, yeah. One, she Absolutely. started laying in the shots. Two, getting the holds in. Three, again, I, I really thought Triple H, you know, for all the baggage that Triple H took with him, I mean, he was the guy that took the uh, the curtain call heat, you know, sat in a doghouse for a while. He was the guy that married the boss's daughter. He's the guy that, you know, is now in charge of everything. Triple H is still a professional wrestler, and he protected the business. And he got her strong. I mean, he made her look real strong. I love the intergender. And if there was anybody that can go intergender, it would be Ronda versus Triple H. It looked real. It was real to me, damn it. This is, as you said, probably the best she was going to get out of this match. But what's next? That's the the question. I mean, by all intents and purposes, it sounds like she's, you know, signed a a decent, uh, you know, decently long contract. So, I'd imagine you've got to throw her in, you know, in that women's division on, on one of those rosters. Okay. Well, the winners of the match, Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle, and uh, it ended up being, and I thought it looked it ended up being Ronda making Stephanie tap. They talked about maybe she broke her arm, maybe she didn't, but it looked real good. It looked like Brock breaking Triple H's arm. Not right. real, but. They may get sold like that. Let's talk SmackDown tag team titles. The New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers and the Usos. Um, <laughs> again, the the visual overlays. Way, way too hokey. Way too hokey, man. It looks stupid. Uh, just distracting to me. The stacks of pancakes on the side of the ramp, the you know, the stuff that was put on there, the graphics, the bugs, whatever you want to call them, stupid. What made me forget about it right away was the little people doing the worm in pancake outfits. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. was some funny shit right there. <laughs> uh-huh. Matthew, your winners and new tag team champions, the Bludgeon Brothers. Do you like seeing Rowan and Harper? With yeah, it's, it's a way It's a way you got to do it. I mean, they've been built so strong on that roster to have them come in and not win the titles would just be, you know, a blunder. So, yeah, this was... Oh, would it be a bludgeoned blunder? A bludgeoned blunder. This is probably the least hyped match on, you know, the card. 
So, it, but I mean, it was it was fine. It did what it needed to do, and you've got you've got a set of you know strong, brooding uh, tag team champions now. So, real quick side note: um, this Tuesday, finally debuting on HBO, the Andre the Giant story. How excited are you for this? I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, H, uh, this is going to be a good month. For HBO documentaries, you've got Andre the Giant coming up, and you've also got a two-part uh, Elvis documentary coming up later this month, I believe, as well, too. So if you're a documentary fan and a fan of Andre the Giant and or Elvis, this is the month to uh, to watch some documentaries. Yeah, done by Bill Simmons. Um, this should be phenomenal. So, Matthew, John Cena comes out, thinks he's going to get a match, gets nothing, then he gets Elias. And, again, for all the garbage that Cena gets, you know, Cena sucks, uh, oh, no, not Super Cena, those acting classes are paying off for him because he looked right, like right. this when he was beating on Elias that he just wasn't into it. It's not what I came here for. Cool, I, I got a match I, with Elias. I love this. I absolutely love this. And, again, to me, at the time, this was showing restraint by the WWE. They were teasing the audience. They were teasing the fans. And I was hoping that this was going to happen, the segment was going to end, and you were going to have something else similar um, you know, happen. Lights go down. You know, It's a music performance or this, that, or the other. If they could have done this, had Cena you know, exit the premises, go back into the stands, and then something similar happened a little bit later, I thought they were on the right track at this juncture. Lights go out, lights come up. There goes Taker's jacket and hat and ring. This is the only time I'm okay with the superimposed stuff because they did the lightning bolts mm-hmm. and they colored them up. They've done that before. That doesn't bother me as much as the other stuff they've been doing lately. Um, comes back, and you hear the gongs. Hey, here's the only problem with it. Why was it a squash? What sense did that make? Why did the Undertaker blow through Cena in five minutes? I'm just confused by this whole thing. Um, I'm confused by that question you just posed. I'm confused by the placement as well, too. I think this what happened here let a lot of the air out of the sails of the audience. And while I don't agree with the squash, maybe that's the only way it could have been done. Maybe he's in a, he's in a spot now where he cannot take anything outside of a sidewalk slam. If that was the case, Meathead, you you move this around. You stretch it out a little bit longer. You move this around to the last thing you see on the show. Have Lesnar, Reigns, and do their thing. Have this take place at the very end of the show so it is a squash. I think you leave the audience, you leave the viewing audience at home in the, in the Superdome with a much better impression, with a much better show, and they're not as disappointed. This, to me, was disappointing, I, just plain and simple. And I, I, the problem with this, the problem with this is this was being teased, and as opposed to it being WWE, you know, using restraint and actually being able to give away an unadvertised dream match – I don't think it was ever intended to be an unadvertised dream match. I think this not being put on the card was simply to 
temp, not temper expectations because it raised expectations, but to not advertise something that was going to have to be a one-sided match. And that's what we had here. Um, I love the build-up to this thing, but overall quite disappointed with with the outcome. I think you'd have been in a better position as far as how it ultimately would have come off. You don't advertise Taker. You don't have anybody talking about Taker. Let Elias come out there, issue an open challenge tonight at WrestleMania, have Taker show up, do this to Elias. I think you've got a completely different reaction for a segment on the middle part of the card. You teased a dream match here. You basically alluded to the fact that this was going to take place at WrestleMania, and it's it's not a dream match. It it is a one sided you know squash match that lasts. I don't know what the total time was on this. I probably guess three or four minutes. It was yeah. it was if if it was five, it wasn't much over five. And just to have this match finally take place, you know, in in it just you look at the, the the taker matches throughout the years. I mean, even last year with Reigns, an opponent that many people weren't favorable for Cena taking on, they still produced some magic. And you really just had a, an Undertaker match in Mania where it, it was just one sided. And man, I, I was I was really disappointed in the way that this was executed. I think that. You could have had the exact same thing done, but placed it at a different position on the card and really left with a magical moment. Going into Mania, I was hoping this was going to be the year that they had a dream match for many that was unannounced until the final act of this play, until the very, very end. And I, I think you could have really produced, even with the same outcome, a, a different result in the total and in, in, in really what you've got here and in, in, in the perception of it. So Matthew called it a steaming turd, but let's move on. Uh, they mm-hmm. obviously show a package to the uh, Hall of Fame. Have you seen the Hall of Fame yet? No, I watched, I did catch up on NXT, which I thought was an absolutely amazing show from top to bottom. Yeah. Have not watched the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is okay. Um, I, I'm a little thrown off by William Goldberg, good old Billy, for a guy that says he's always wanted to be, you know, a hero to kids and be a fan favorite and whatever. He was kind of a douche, absolute douchebag. And really, it, uh, it it even eked out into his entrance during WrestleMania. Just kind of douchey. Didn't I mean? Don't take the Hall of Fame analogy from me into consideration, but think about how Bill Goldberg came out during the Hall of Fame. Of course, he's the main event for the Hall of Fame, so he got his separate entrance. But uh, everybody else was smiling and happy to be there. Did he smile? Ah, maybe still not in a great mood for some reason. I don't know. I have to to go and watch it. Yeah, it was rhetorical. He didn't. So, like I said, kind of douchey. Didn't like it. This is something we didn't know we were getting. Daniel Bryan has returned. Daniel Bryan can compete again. Daniel Bryan was in a tag match with Shane McMahon, taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It was assumed that there would be somebody turning, allowing Zayn and Owens to get their jobs back. However, 
Yes, walk to Sammy in the middle of the ring. Sammy tapped out for the finish. Your winners, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. How do Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn get their job back? They go to Raw. That's weak. They they go to Raw. And, and, and I want you to take note, too. Um, I mean, you had the pop when he, when he came in. But it, it, this is Daniel Bryan's return match in the Superdome in the match following the whole Taker deal. The the audience was not into this like I was expecting. You also have to remember, too, Daniel Bryan is taken out of this match early on. So you've got the whole Taker confusion thing. You've got Bryan coming out only to be carted away. This was the, the pacing of these spots right here was just not conducive to keeping a crowd hot. It was odd. It was definitely odd. But uh, the crowd definitely into the yes chance, the winners of the match, Shane and Daniel Bryan. The Raw women's title match, Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. Great ring psychology for Nia Jax to take out the ringside interference distraction and just kick the crap out of her. Well, that's done. Let's have a one-on-one match. And she beat the piss out of Alexa Bliss. Your winner, a new champion, Nia Jax. And the tears came rolling. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I won the belt, I'd probably cry a little bit too. But it just, that, uh, you know, for Miss took her ball and went home. Because remember the moments where Nia Jax was off a of raw for about three or right. four weeks because she said that she was unhappy with the way she was being used. Right, right. She got a WrestleMania moment. She got this build. She put in the work. She looks great. She looks like a formidable champion. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was uh, fantastic. I mean, the way the storyline had been built, you would certainly hope that that she would be the one going over. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was a good enough match, and it, it did what it needed to do here. I'm, I'm excited about seeing her her reign as a, a champion, and they've done a really good job of reintroducing her as as a threat. When they brought her in at first, she didn't you know run over people like I thought she would. And, but they've done a really good job of kind of rebuilding. Yeah, and rebuilt to the point where she's now the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, one of the two title matches, you know, the brands, this is the top SmackDown match. Shinsuke Nakamura against the phenomenal AJ Styles. You know me, and for those that don't know me, I like the extras at WrestleMania. Give me a band playing. Give me, right. you know, uh, Jim Johnstone playing in Bray Wyatt. Give me P.O.D. playing in Rey Mysterio. Give me, you know, Motorhead playing in Triple H. You know, Limp Bizkit playing in Undertaker. Give me that. I love that. The only one that's been missed, and again, I still say it to this day, huge missed opportunity. Why? Why, why, why has Alderbridge never played Edge in? Mm-hmm. Just saying. Tonight, yep. the guitar player for Alice Cooper, uh, Nita Strauss, I believe her name was, played in. And uh, for those of you that have been paying attention, obviously, again, music is my thing here. I love the wrestling, but I love the music too. CFOs, I think it's, uh, what is the acronym for? It's the guys that do the music now, Jim Johnstone, no longer with the company. But they're the guys that wrote, you know, Enzo's music, Shinsuke's music. They wrote, you know, Finn Balor's music. They wrote all this music. One of the guys playing drums tonight. (laughs) Matthew, if you were a... A violinist 
that was hired by the WWE, and you knew that 75,000, 77,000 people were going to be in the arena while you played, and you knew mm-hmm. that multi-millions were going to be watching around the world, would you look at the camera as it went by and just kind of wink at it? Oh, absolutely, 100%. On the right-hand side, as Shinsuke is walking down, one of the violinists, who's now my hero forever, she's playing her stuff, all of a sudden she goes and stops and goes, <laughs> I thought it was phenomenal, no pun intended, leading into AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Mutual respect. Shinsuke, outstanding performer, very, very little grasp of the English language. Your winner, still champion, AJ Styles. They hug. Shinsuke gives the belt to AJ. And then the heel low blow. Matthew, I texted you right after this while we were watching the match. And I said, you know what? That's great and all. But what the hell are they going to do with that? Because somebody does that. Right after that, WrestleMania, the next time he's on the microphone, he should give this monster heel promo. Shinsuke can't speak fucking English. How the yeah. hell is he going to give a promo that explains he just, why, how? I, I I don't I don't think there's going to be a promo. I think there's just going to be Shinsuke going on attack mode. I think that's about all you can do here. Absolutely, just not happy. Not happy with it. Unless you get somebody to be, and what was your joke? I said you needed a mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah, he said he needed a mouthpiece, but he literally has a mouthpiece. Yeah, and I replied with no words, literally. Yeah, the thing of it is, I think think the heel turn, I think the heel turn was the right move for him because he's unfortunately, he is is a, a very gifted athletic wrestler I don't know that his move set in the quote unquote strong style transfers to the WWE style and it's he's had a hard time connecting with with fans and in both a, I feel like a stylistic and also you know you know personality type of thing and I mean and that was the I mean, honestly, man, that was the build for this match. The build for the match was, oh, this is going to be a dream match, dream match. And, I mean, I think it was a, a solid wrestling match, but that's the problem when you build something as a dream match. Unfortunately, it's going to under-deliver because you're saying, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to walk on the same, you know, on the same uh, set of stairs as as Steamboat Savage, as Taker, uh, as Taker Shawn Michaels. When you go into something ahead of time talking about how good of a wrestling match it's going to be and you're going to steal the show, nine times out of ten it's going to fall a little bit flat because your expectations, whatever, even as good of a match as it is, it's not going to be those expectations. That's really been all you had in the build-up to this thing is you know he wants it because it's going to be the stream match. Now, I do think that you can see these guys wrestle a series of matches that are going to be entertaining, and I'm glad that – AJ Styles, Shinsuke is not a one-off, most likely, but you've got to you've got to do what they didn't do at the beginning. You've got to have him come in and just start destroying people. We made reference to it earlier. You've got that a little bit, kind of, with the rebooking of Nia Jax. Maybe something similar can be done with Shinsuke. Um, you got it to a large extent with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar came back in 2012. It's not the same Brock Lesnar we have today. Brock Lesnar got beat by Cena. He got beat by CM Punk. He got beat by Triple H. Brock Lesnar was losing quite a bit, 
and they were able to reset Brock Lesnar after the end of the streak, and now he's just this unstoppable force. So there is hope for Shinsuke, but you're you're not. I don't think you're going to get anything with him trying to offer a reasonable reasonable explanation. It's just going to fall short. He just got to start kicking people in the face, or kneeing people in the face rather. Huh. Knee to face. Well placed. Now, as a wrestling fan, I had a knee uh, put to my face with this next match. The wrong tag team title match, uh, the bar champions. And again, talk about, again, another awkwardly placed. we find out why later. But awkwardly placed, here comes a Mardi Gras float. And the bar's in there. And they're whipping beads at everybody. They're shooting beads on everybody. Okay? Little people in there, what have you. And here comes Braun. The reason the float's there, so Braun can show how strong he is and throw it off the stage. Little people go running. Braun was told that when he won the Raw Tag Team Battle Royal to find out the number one contenders, he was told that he had to find a partner, otherwise he couldn't have the match. And, you know, this is wrestling. There's gimmicks. You know, Santino Morella came out of the crowd and won the belt for the first time in Milan, Italy. Do you remember that? I do. Okay. Braun going around the crowd looking for a tag team partner. Yeah, okay, I get it. You know, he's going to grab some jabron that may, you know, have been hiding on NXT that they haven't used yet, and they'll just bring him to the, you know, what is James Ellsworth doing lately? Braun Strowman grabbed what looked to be a 10-year-old kid, and this is nothing against the kid, but had a little bit longer hair, so I wasn't sure if, the, right. if this was a little boy or a little girl. Yeah, me We come to me, find me out neither. that it's a little boy. Okay. Name's Nicholas. And he told Nicholas to stand up on the apron. Don't worry, stand there, I'll do the rest. This is really happening, Matthew. Nicholas mm-hmm. is the Raw Tag Team Champion, along with Braun Strowman, <laughs> defeating the Bar. Nicholas is 10 years old. Mm-hmm. You heard me make a little smart remark about David Arquette earlier tonight, right? Mm-hmm. The difference between Nicholas and David Arquette, even though they're about the same size, David Arquette is actually a grown man who could bump, could you know take a couple shots, could defend himself. Nicholas, while, again, this is just my opinion, it's most likely a Make-A-Wish recipient. His wish was to win the Raw Tag Team titles on WrestleMania. That's cool. I get it. I understand. But what about the bar? They look like clowns. Right. Right. So it's 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 amazing. I love this and I despise it at the same time. I'm exactly I, the same the, way. I know what it's done. I know what it was for. Right. I love that. Right. I hate it. Love it. Hate it. The, here's here's the problem with the the Arquette reference. You know, Arquette being a grown man, he did have to physically do he something. Bumped. So the story that they're trying to tell here is that Strowman is such a badass. Now, Strowman winning the title by himself, that's still going to make the bar, which is a very impressive tag team, that's still going to make them look bad. So there was no way that we were coming out of this without basically Strowman defeating, you know, somebody one-on-two and being the tag team champion by himself. Matthew, how long have we been doing this show together? That's been our beef (laughs) for 10 years, is those tag team titles. They always go two-on-one, mm-hmm. and the one always wins against the two. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So this time you've, uh, you know, you've you've finally got it, and except it's not two on one. It's uh, it's uh, Big Braun Strowman and Nicholas. Uh, I, I'm I'm really curious as to it, do the titles now get vacated because Nicholas has to go to school? Is is Nicholas uh, a recurring character? Where where do we go to from here? So does Braun Strowman write into his contract that he gets to pick out somebody out of the crowd every week? Does that would, Braun Strowman that would seem the, the that would seem the most reasonable direction we're going to be quite honest. Okay. Or because Nicholas is unable to defend the belts, they get taken from Braun and yeah. they're vacated. Could you could you imagine He has to go down in a history book. His name literally yeah, will be no, in there. We're gonna find out his last name. Yeah. Could you could you how about this scenario? Nicholas only appears once every thirty days to defend the titles. We're going to co-brand at pay-per-views now. Nicholas should Nicholas is a part-time tag team champion, akin to a Brock Lesnar, because he's got to go to school. <laughs> I want shots at Nicholas at school with the belt on the desk. I want the rules hey, now he- to be changed to the hardcore title rules, where he has to defend it during math class. Can you can you imagine Nicholas? Could you can you imagine promos in the build up to a pay per view match? I mean, just you know vignettes of Nicholas at school at, at lunchtime with the title. This again, this in my mind, this is great and terrible. This is one of the best things and one of the worst things they've ever done, all in, in the right. same token. Right. So it, it's tough. Like I said, I know, or at least I feel, why it's there, and you can't hate that. You got to love that. However, uh, huh. let, me, let me ask you this. Do, oh, is this a slow burn to a Nicholas heel turn? Probably. And he's going to turn on Braun, and Nicholas is <laughs> going to get these hands. Uh, by the way, um, I, one thing I forgot to bring up, in the Cena-Undertaker match, you know, because we kind of cruised over it, how awful the, the finish was of it, there was a big boot that came from Undertaker to hit Cena, that literally had, I want to say, five feet between it? Yeah, yep, yep. Did you see that? I did, I did. The, the reason I thought of it is it was a couple spots that just stuck in my head. Also, Byron Saxton or Coachman, I don't remember who it was, uh, I think it was Coachman saying, uh, Braun Sherman's going to get these hands. When they say these, you remember these is like uh, ownership. So when you hear Coachman say these hands, he's talking about his own hands. Not bronze hands. It's <laughs> the wording is weird. Yeah, so, that's a very good point. The main event: Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. Who do you pull for in this? Because you know the stuff that Roman Reigns. Remember the opening promo that they gave when he said, "You know, they're not going to like it in the back." Brock Lesnar's not here. I said, "Wow." You know, either it's something that's being worked in that's going to be the build for it, or, you know, he shot from the hip. Obviously, it was a build. Do you root for the part-timer who, you know, Dana White was at ringside tonight to watch Ronda Rousey. You know, Dana White, to me, looked like um, the Grim Reaper, you know, waiting to collect his soul. With Dana White being at ringside, I thought he was going to grab Brock Lesnar uh, on the way out as Roman Reigns won the match because he was going to take him back to the UFC. However... The winner of the match and still champion, Brock Lesnar. Did you see this coming? I thought it was a foregone conclusion that Roman Reigns wins the match and Brock Lesnar moves on. 
I did too, but again, this is the this right up there with Charlotte and Oscar, you know, a huge, huge surprise. Now, here's my grievance with both of these guys and with the psychology of your typical Lesnar and Reigns match matches. There's they're limited right now as far as what they can do in the ring, and we got yet another, you know, video game hit the button combination for the finisher, hit the button combination for the finisher over and over again. And you can have a, you know, we can fill up hours talking about psychology and finishers and this, that, and the other, but it was finisher after finisher. And it just, it, it, it just, I just felt like it was button mashing on a video game. I will, I will go on record to saying this. I think there are big, quote-unquote, brutal matches that need color. And Roman Reigns was wearing one of the most cinematic in a professional wrestling match, Crimson Mask, tonight that I've ever seen that felt important in this big... And I give the guy credit. You could tell that he was trying to smear it on his face. He was actually smearing it a little bit on Lesnar's chest as well, too. I mean, there were little subtle touches that they were doing there that you know, I think really accentuated it. I it even, especially after he got busted open, I was surprised because it seemed like once he got that color, he got another gear. And I'm looking at the visual, and I, I'm you know hearkening back a little bit to the double turn with Stone Cold and Bret Hart, and that kind of being the defining moment that got Stone Cold over as a babyface. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe this is where they're going. Maybe we've had to build to this where people might be coming around the range a little bit. This guy takes a beating. He's busted wide open. This is the visual that you see um, in black and white, you know, for years to come. And then, no, we actually get Lesnar going over here. So, again, very, very surprised. I, I don't know really what finish you hope for. I will say this much, though. You could tell the crowd was very easily distracted. Um, during that matchup, and looking at some Twitter reports from our PWR mm-hmm. staff that's down there, it seems like there were beach balls. There was a, a pretty audible, this is awful chance. Um, unfortunately, you're probably going to get a lot of it tomorrow night on Raw. You've got the same segment of fans trying to hijack um, the show. And I hate to say it, but it, this. The grouping. I don't of think they were trying to hijack, lot. and I'm going to hijack your uh, little comment here. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh-huh. they were trying to hijack the show. I think they had gone through seven hours of actual on-camera right. action, not to mention five hours before that. These people are burnt out, and they weren't given a match that they really wanted to see. This was not the match they went to WrestleMania for. Brock Lesnar, right. you know, you, you could talk about – what did you go to WrestleMania 3 for? Al Snow used to talk about this all the time. And people say, oh, I love Dragon. I love Savage. You didn't go to WrestleMania 3 for Dragon Savage. You went to WrestleMania 3 for Andre and Hulk. You didn't go to WrestleMania 34 for Lesnar and Reigns. That just happens to be your main event. You went for the other stuff. You went to see, you know, all the other things that were going to go on. But you didn't go for that main event. And people were busy. They wanted something else. They wanted... They were going, hopefully, for Cena Undertaker. They were going for other Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Are you getting that crowd reaction? Are you getting that crowd reaction if Cena Undertaker had not taken place and Cena was still in the front row? I don't think you get that crowd reaction. I don't think you get the crowd pissing over the main event. But 
not necessarily pissing all over it, but chanting Undertaker or Cena or something of that nature than if that never happened. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I, again, I still think that the thing to do would have been to let it happen after that so you've still got the crowd on edge that's still excited. The problem when you knew you were going home with that, and, and honestly, I was surprised that that Shinsuke AJ didn't close because after you had gotten kind of the, the letdown of Cena Taker, you're thinking at that point, okay, you're going to give them something to, to go home happy with. And I guess, I guess they did go home happy to a certain extent. It wasn't the coronation of Roman Reigns, but I, I just got to ask you where, where do we go to from here? I mean, is, is it possible that Reigns coronation doesn't happen? Is it possible that, what do you do? What do you do with Lesnar? Who takes Lesnar down? I mean, how long do you draw uh, this this Lesnar title reign out? I mean, this has been, you know, think about what you will when you step back and look at it. This has been a very significant streak of of dominance from Lesnar. Well, I really think I have the answer. Braun Strowman gets stripped of the Raw Tag Team Championships tomorrow. And he gets a title shot at Brock. Mm. And I think Braun Strowman becomes mm. your new champion tomorrow night. That's your I Raw will, after WrestleMania I, moment. I will disagree with you. I think, unfortunately, Braun, I hate to say this because he wasn't two months ago, but Braun is fastly going the ride of comedy character. That's too bad. But speaking of comedy and speaking of jokes, it's been a joke that we've made this man wait this long. Let's talk to Joe and Raleigh. Joe, what do you got? Hey, how are y'all doing tonight? Hey, long, Joe. Long day, Joe. Oh, I know, man. Hey, I, I, I loved the pay per view until the end. I think it was an A plus pay per view until the end. I think the John Cena Undertaker. I definitely think that was John Cena's idea, probably, for it to end like that. Don't know Undertaker's health situation, so I was fine with that. What what killed the crowd, I think, is the when Braun Strowman picked the little kid. I think that was ridiculous. Like you said, it was probably a make-a-wish situation, but still, it was ridiculous at WrestleMania. And the problem is, is you got stupid-ass people like Dave Meltzer who report rumors, gossip, lies, and in the windows for us to say what's going to happen. We've been told it for a year that Roman Reigns was going to beat Brock Lesnar. Only three people know, Triple H, Stephanie, and Vince McMahon, what's going to happen. Asuka, if you would have really thought about that before going into the match, which I didn't because I, I thought she was going to win, but if Asuka wins and she stays undefeated, what everybody was saying until next year's WrestleMania, and Ronda Rousey stays undefeated till next year's WrestleMania, what kind of women's revolution do you have when there's only two women you're focused on which is Oscar and Ronda. This opens so many more, so many many more doors. It's brilliant. I don't know why Roman Reigns didn't win. I was shocked. It said I was more shocked that Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns than I was that he beat Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. I had no idea that that was going to happen. I don't know if it's the steroid situation with Roman Reigns, or maybe they re-signed a contract with Brock Lesnar. But I thought it was a tremendous, tremendous WrestleMania. The crowd effing ruined it because they thought they knew what was going to happen. They thought Roman Reigns was just going to keep kicking out and win. And then when Brock Lesnar win, 
You know, when uh, Brock Lesnar won, they were all surprised and happy or whatever. But the, like you said, the crowd, they ruined the main event. Absolutely ruined the main event. But I, I thought it was a, a my, one of the best WrestleManias I've seen in a long time. And I love how the Internet, I was I was reading my Twitter feed where, where the Royal Rumble, everybody was bitching and complaining about how it was so predictable. And now the WrestleMania, everybody's bitching and complaining because they were wrong and didn't know what was going to happen. I, I, I thought it was outstanding. I didn't understand the Shinsuke, but I have heard – I have heard from like a couple other sources that he speaks really, really good English, and they just have him talking like this and speaking like this because that's quote unquote his character. So, like, I don't know how you turn heel if you, if you can't talk, but maybe it's you know maybe he can speak perfect English. I don't know. I thought it was a great, great way to end the match. You know, instead of, instead of the, with the Charlotte and Oscar situation, you know, how they were hugging and kissing, how you thought it was going to be the same thing, and then he hits them right in the nuts. Just like, I think, with Jericho, Shawn Michaels, same thing at that WrestleMania. But I, I thought it was a great, great, great WrestleMania. I thought the ma- match of the night was Oscar and Charlotte, but Ronda Rousey looked effing awesome, dude. Looked effing awesome. But I think Braun Strowman didn't help the main event because I, I, I thought that was ridiculous. But then again... We all thought, well, what were we doing at the WrestleMania when AJ lost? We were bitching and complaining, bitching and complaining. What happened uh, the, on Monday Night Raw? You know, it became the number one contender. So I'm really looking forward to these two. But I'll leave you with this. To me, Daniel Bryan, he looked really, really skinny, didn't he? Like, yeah, really skinny. Um, he like, doesn't have a lot of mouth. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the- I, yeah, I mean, I thought he needed a sandwich or something. But I, I like I said, I, I thought it was great. Nothing was predictable. I mean, it was, it was absolutely stunning. I mean, somebody made some money. I had a, how the hell do you bet on wrestling? That's why Vince McMahon's a billionaire. Shit, I'd bet on wrestling too if I knew it was going to win every time. But I, I thought it was a great, great WrestleMania. One of the one of the better ones I've saw in a long time. But the crowd reaction was just almost ruined it for me in the main event because they thought they knew what was, was going to happen. That's the thing you got to love about wrestling, man. Just when you think you got all the answers. But Goldberg, and going back to your comment about Goldberg, it just he's the same as Brock Lesnar. Never had a passion for the business. Uh, the way, uh, if you listen to Bruce Pritchard's uh, podcast, you know, about Goldberg's run in the WWE, it makes you think just like, damn, dude, what a, what a jerk, dude. What a, just like Brock Lesnar. You know, you, you, you can appreciate what they've done, done in the ring and what they've accomplished athletically, and you wouldn't say it to their faces. But, damn, two asses right there, dude. But I love y'all. I, I could listen to y'all for seven hours, man. I got goosebumps <laughs> listening to y'all. I love hearing y'all's opinions. Yeah, whether I agree or whether I disagree, I love hearing y'all's opinions, and I miss y'all every Monday night, man. Well, hey, Joe, great segue. Thanks for calling. Uh, folks, tomorrow night we will be doing a special one-off uh, Raw reaction. We will be live right after the Raw to, right after the Raw after WrestleMania. Matthew Thomas, myself, 11 Eastern, 10 Central, will be on live tomorrow night. Instead of doing our normal Nitro thing, I figure, Matthew, you know, it's it's a big enough night. Let's do a Raw after the Raw, after the Raw WrestleMania. So, it's been a long day. For Matthew Thomas, the man that called me dead, thanks for stopping by. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. So long, everyone. <laughs>